Welcome back to Insights Unlocked. In this episode, Liz Miller from Constellation Research interviews User Testing's Chief Scientist, Ranjitha Kumar, about integrating AI and machine learning in experience research, introducing the concept of experimentation engines. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing, where we bring you candid conversations and stories with the thinkers, doers, and builders behind some of the most successful digital products and experiences in the world, from concept to execution. Okay. It's the opposite. Like, say whatever you want. You could be like, AI sucks. And I'd be like, cool, sweet. Let's talk about that. Okay. Like, let's do it. Yeah, this okay. is this is just like you and me having like beverages in a corner. It's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, maybe we needed drinks. Can you imagine? We'd be like drinking game last video. <laughs> Woo! That's would that's would have what that is what would have happened in my living room. <laughs> right. Right. Well, break, like, can you imagine us like we're busting out the beer pong? Like, come on, Ranjitha, red solo cups. Let's do this. Okay, y'all ready for us? Yeah. All righty. Hi, Ranjitha. Hello. How are you? Good. Awesome. So we're let's let's start out with like the basics. Like okay. I'm gonna ask you the hardest question first. Okay. She's like, oh God, no, you said you were gonna ask hard questions. Hardest question first. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and who you do it for? Sure. Um, I'm Ranjitha Kumar. I'm the chief scientist at User Testing. I'm also an associate professor of computer science. Oh, we're at, getting into that girl. <laughs> we're getting at the <laughs> University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. That's always a mouthful. So. Yes. Um, but at user testing, I have this cool job where I get to deeply understand user needs and figure out how to map cutting edge technologies to solve customer problems. It's an intimidating title, I'm not gonna lie. Like chief scientist, like it's, it's kind of like, I'm the biggest brain in the entire organization Fear me. It's kind of I mean, like, is that not it? That's not what well, you wanted to go for? I, I actually think it's a role that you see at other companies. So yeah. it's not. Is it called something else though? No, it's, no, it's called chief scientist. Yeah. 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 So. It's just, but you know what? It's funny because I think a lot of times when people think about research, even when people think about the research that user testing does, right? I think a lot of times in organizations, there is a sense that there is going to be a negative repercussion because you conducted the research. It's almost like that, if I didn't know this product was going to fail, right. then I wouldn't be labeled a failure. So let's just launch it and see what happens. And that's not the way, that's not the way you would say we should do this, is it? Right, I mean, it's the word research is really interesting in the context of user testing because there's UX research yeah. as a field or an area and we're providing customers with uh, solutions and services yeah. to do UX research, but there's also research with a capital R, which is about how you, right. uh, you know, build new technology <laughs> and, uh, you know. Save lives and stuff. Do like automation, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting because um, research is kind of an overloaded term yeah. in the context yeah. of you. And people get really confused of it because I think because of that. But let's dig into something first here. Before we get into these questions that are like the big work questions. I gotta know, you're an associate professor. Yes. Right? Yes. Computer science. Yes. What classes are you teaching? Um, I'm actually, right now, I'm teaching a full stack web programming course for um, advanced undergraduates and graduate students. And so we teach you, you know, how to basically build a web app from scratch. Um, and we also cover design and user experience as part okay, of it. Okay, so how, okay. So as a tip, as a professor, how do you not throw things 
at your students in the middle of a class when they're like, actually, I think this is how you do it. And you're like, it's not. That's why I'm the professor. Well, the Zoom screen is helping a the lot these days. <laughs> Best answer ever. The Zoom screen really helps yeah, us yeah. not being I able mean, to do uh, that. I like I it. I will say we've gone back to in-person, but yeah. it's been kind of a hybrid situation still because I am kind of teaching on two campuses, and sometimes I am teaching over Zoom as well. Yeah. So I think... After COVID, everything got a lot more complicated. I love it. That does kind of, it kind of makes me, hang on, hang on. I'm going to switch up like where I, what I was going to ask you because it's kind of like the perfect segue, what you just said, right? Okay. So, okay, here's the, here's one of the fast five questions. You're ready for me? Okay. Um, considering the benefits and challenges of remote work or remote teaching, whichever one you want to go with, how can technology facilitate communication and collaboration between teams? Ooh, um... That's a great question. I mean, in my own work, I think recording videos has been very powerful um, because if you record a meeting that happened uh, and then you know you you can create transcripts from yeah. that video and then you can use that to process and extract themes. So suppose you actually didn't attend a lot of meetings for yeah. some reason, but you still need to. Uh, understand and digest what happened in those meetings, being able to record meetings and then consume them kind of in this fast way so you're still up to speed yeah. is, is very powerful. And that means like more teams can know what's happening in other teams without actually being physically there yeah. in all those meetings. And do you find, and maybe even in the context of what you do with user testing and what you see your customers doing. And it, does it also give them that opportunity? Because I can imagine if you're recording that video, not only is everyone going to consume that or hear and process that video slightly differently based on what they're working on, what their situation is, their context, but it's also going to change over time, right? And context is going to change over time. You might hear something completely different mm. a week from now. Yes. From a video snippet that you got a week ago, right? Yes, so yes. do you also find that that, like in this kind of hybrid space, being able to go back and recenter, going back and being able to, you know, review and kind of recontextualize or at least re-space where you are, are you seeing that as something that's also a benefit? You know, I, I do think recency matters because as you're saying, context changes. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, videos that you watch from a month ago might not make sense right. anymore because everything's been changed, right. like what you're working on and um, you know, even the processes, all of that might be continuously changing. So yeah, I mean, I, I typically um, see teams where they're consuming the videos at a later date, but still within like a few weeks, yeah, right? It's, yeah. not, it's not like I'm listening to something that happened yeah. months ago. But in a lot of research, I mean, I can remember, this is how old I am, right? So I can remember when in my early days in marketing and we would look at research and focus groups, like that group happened like three months ago. Right. Right, and you were like, let me turn back the way back machine and you know, like go. Yeah. And that's, that's a really dangerous way of thinking. If, you're, if that's how you think about research, you are not on top of that edge of where your customer is, where your business is. So there's a real danger to that, isn't there? There is. I mean, I think history, understanding history is always important. Sure. So if you're new to a company uh, and you want to understand what, yeah, what people have done before you got there, right, and what the user yeah. experience was like three years ago and how it's evolved, having 
that kind of repository yeah. of user experience data could be thought of that. invaluable. I'm going to call that repository of all of Liz's past mistakes. <laughs> We're just going to call that what that whole room would be. It'd be really sure. great. It'd be really great. Okay, so here's what I was also fascinated with. I'm going to read this from a line that I got because, again, I was stalking you. So you run at the University of Illinois at Urbana. Urbana-Champaign. Did yes, I get that whole yes. thing right? Okay. You run the data-driven design group. And so what you are actually looking at very specifically is ML for UX and UX for ML. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was so interesting that, that it was those two things together. Dive into that for me. Like, why are both, why is it an incomplete sentence to just say ML for UX? Right. So a lot of my research has to do with applying machine learning and data mining techniques to build new types of design tools or digital optimization tools. So that's the um, ML of UX. Um, And then if you look at UX of ML, um, there's a certain amount of changes to the design process itself that you have to think about when you're creating data-driven or ML-driven experiences. And I think we're looking at, in my research group, how to build what I like to call experimentation engines, where you're not building one solution in a space, but you're building an engine where you can rapidly create many different solutions in a space and then test those to see what is actually um, solving that user need or problem. That's, I love that. I love that. Okay. If you had a magic wand, so so, nothing about research or like stuff that's real. If you had a magic wand, right? What, which part of the UX research process would you automate first and why? Um, I guess I guess we're doing it, so I guess we're like, wait a minute, I already have that. Um, (laughs) No, uh, I I definitely think the first kind of obvious place to start is with um, the qualitative coding of Mm. research data. That's where everyone spends hours and hours just watching video, um, coding transcripts. It, there's no reason for a human to really do that. Yeah. There, it's not, a, I think, a uniquely human task. What you want is a human to be able to um, understand what the major themes are, where they happen in the data, and then really figure out what are the actions to be taken to you Love know, that. solve problems. So, yep. um, I mean, and that's that's where we're focused right now. So. That's fantastic because, you know, like, I think the thing we always forget, I think people think of AI as, or even ML, like whatever, whichever end of the learning spectrum or the data learning spectrum you're looking at, I think people always think of it as like this thing that, inherently wants to take your job. Like it's just this very weird, right? right like everyone, right. like I was talking with Michelle Huff, you know, user testing CMO yesterday. And I was like, you know, everyone seems like we've trained ourselves to think about it like Space Odyssey and Hal, like Hal's trying to kill all yes, of us. And yeah. like, so the that's AI what like, overlord. Right, the AI yeah. overlord and it's yeah. sentient and it's thinking and it has feelings now. And you're like, actually, no, it's bridging the gap between our inability to actually see and calculate all that data, and it's doing it so that we can bridge the gap in our own creativity. Yes, right. Like it's absolutely. it's helping build those bridges. Yeah. Um, love that. Okay. Well, okay, so then this kind of like feels like a cheat question, but I still want to ask you. Okay. Okay. Because it's this one's yeah. Okay. Describe what AI means to you in five words or less, and you can't use ChatGPT to come up with the five words. Intelligence, augmentation, or amplification. 
well, you got two more words technically. Like you could do, like you could keep going. Uh, you know, and trying to better. kill you. <laughs> like you know, like, no, no. So we're not going to go that one. Okay, I like that brevity. Okay, as companies are being challenged to innovate faster than ever, in what ways do you see design and research workflows changing? Yeah, I think that's one of the the most exciting um, opportunities ahead for us. And, you know, my mind always races all over the place when I get asked these questions because there's like so many different... There's like a billion answers, right? Yeah, there's so many different things we can do. And um, I think it might be helpful to just break down the design process into kind of like the different parts because there's, you know, there's like need finding, there's um, ideation, there's prototyping, there's deployment. So it's... um, um, you know, for me, it, there's always something you can do to uh, make each of those parts of that design process easier and better. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think in terms of, um, you know, the space user testing is in around uh, understanding digital experience and optimizing digital experience. I, I really think there's an opportunity to move into a more holistic design optimization yeah, flow. And yeah. I, I really think it's it's very striking that there's all of this work that we do that is called qualitative analysis. And then there's all, all of this work that other people do that is called quantitative right. analysis. But we're all trying to do the same thing, right. which is yeah. optimize digital experience. And so I really think AI is that bridge between yeah. those two worlds. And um, that's what I'm excited for. It's interesting that you say that, because I think a lot of times people, especially in the quantitative side of that world, right, a lot of times, because it's us, human, fallible human beings, creating those surveys, a lot of times quantitative research can be very self-surveying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to being kind of self-exploratory. Like, you know, because like, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to architect this question in a way that you're going to have to give me an affirmative, positive response, even if you hate everything that I've done, <laughs> right? Like, there's ways to do that. And, right. I, and I, so I think that people start to question that research, but yeah. when you hear it, when you hear a raw reaction coming from someone, that's very different, right? That qualitative, yeah. you know. So, is it? Do you also, you know, do you also see that power in being able to synthesize that kind of direct, high fidelity signal that we're getting from the customer? And AI is now really able to not only synthesize that quickly, but then also give different process recommendations, different, you know, like it's able to kind of open up the world of our thinking in a very different way. Yeah. I mean, I like to think of user experience research kind of falling into two buckets. There's kind of the bucket where you're studying what's organically happening on your digital asset, like your deployed website or your mobile app. And that's all of that analytics data you're you're um, collecting and oftentimes you you know you can't really interact with those people who are who are using it unless you intercept them and give them survey questions and then it's creepy because you're (laughs) like hey stop what you're doing like I want you to stop what you're doing because I want you to do my thing self-serving yeah and um and so but at the same time I think that type of data helps you quickly understand when there are problems in your experience. Um, If you have a checkout flow and you're not converting enough people, you really, that's a problem, right? And you want to understand why that's happening. So those types of 
quantitative methods around analytics, they really help you understand what problems are and how much. Exactly. Yeah, how much. It's the what. Yeah, it's the what. And yes. then, um, and then, you know, but if you really want to understand why it's happening, why? Yes. Um, you have to do the UX research and um, get that. Yeah, human insight. You got to get both. <laughs> yeah. you, gotta, you have to get both because I think we I think we focus on what a lot, and yeah. then we try to take the hammer and drive that home. The why is really hard. Yes. Right, and the why is really hard to then turn into process. So that's that's how we're starting to hear people actually talk about like RPA. Yeah. Like yeah. no one ever talked about robotic process automation and process mining like five years ago, but now everyone's like RPA. I can put RPA on it. So yeah, in my if I, I if I have a magic wand, yeah. what I would love is you know as you have systems monitoring those analytics yeah. uh, on your digital asset. As soon as it, you see that there are problems that you can identify, um, the AI can actually generate the, the tests to run that are hypothesis-driven, yep. and you are actually getting real, uh, it could be real users, or it could be people who are, you know, roughly fit the same demographics right. as your real users, and get them to tell you why they're, you know, experiencing pain points. Then again, your real users might not be your most profitable users. Sure. Right, so yeah, how do you yeah. go test that with a completely new market? if you yeah. want to drive growth, right? So many interesting things. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. See, this, the living room's kind of cool to come and hang out in, yes, right? You're is. just going to spend the rest of your day here with me, aren't you? Yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be yeah, fine. Yeah. It's going to be great. Thank you no, so thank much you, for Liz. joining me. Yeah. And thank you guys. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. Yeah. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing.